These are your final steps, Ray. Rise and take them. Ray. 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 Bring back the balance, Ray, as I did. In the night, find the light, Ray. Not the Lord, Ray. Every Jedi who ever lived lives in you. The force surrounds you, Ray. Let it guide you. Feel the force flowing through you, Ray. Let it lift you. Rise, Ray. We stand behind you, Ray. In the heart of a Jedi lies her strength. Ray, the Force will be with you. Always. Good, bad. Some people hated it. Some people loved it. Uh, it's, it was just all over the place, but it was... Uh, you know, to, to those who didn't like it, I totally get it, respect it. To those who loved it, uh, I'm I'm grateful and dubious of your taste. Dude, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm nothing but grateful. Um, but obviously, a lot of people worked a lot uh, of hours to do something that people would you know make people feel good and that they love. And anytime someone doesn't like it, you know, you, you think, oh yeah, I could have done that better. I should have done that. And I'm you know you try to like take it in. But for the most part, I'm incredibly grateful to everyone who worked so hard to do it. And for the people who saw it and, and loved it, I'm you know grateful to them too. and move milkers everywhere welcome to episode number 248 of blast points this is jason and this is gabe and it's soggy year
conclusion to saga year all the threads are coming together in this final thrilling conclusion and it's going to satisfy everyone no doubt about it well we know star wars fans love everything (laughs) they're never disappointed and they really don't have strong feelings about anything they're kind of kind of very dull people they're not, you know, yeah, they don't really, if something makes them angry, they, you never really hear about it too much. It's kind of like, well, move on to the next thing, I guess, you know? <laughs> yeah. Not, passionate is not a word you would use to describe Star Wars fans. Yeah, this is a hot one because, yeah, the final saga year, and we're talking about this little movie you maybe, maybe you've heard about, The Rise of Skywalker came out just about exactly a year ago as of us recording this. And it's weird, like with the year we've had, like Rise of Skywalker coming out feels like also it like simultaneously just happened and it feels like 20 years ago. Yeah, it's nowhere in between. Some days it feels like 20 years ago and then the next day it feels like yesterday. Well, and one year later is always a really good time to reevaluate your feelings on a Star Wars movie. Like once the anticipation and the hype and all the craziness goes down, it, it's just a good time to watch it again with, you know, a new set of eyes and where, wherever Star Wars has been in the year since it's come out and kind of see how whatever movie fits in. Like, I know we did that with Rogue One, like a year after it came out. We did that with, I, we did that with The Last Jedi. And yeah, now we're doing it here with uh, The Rise of Skywalker for the final saga year. And it's, it's interesting going back, to say the least. Well, when was the last time you watched the movie start to finish? Because I know for me, I think this was the last movie I actually saw in a movie theater before we couldn't go to movie theaters anymore. And I have not watched it start to finish since I saw it in the movie theater. I've watched bits and pieces since it's been out on uh, on, on Blu-ray and on Disney+, Plus, but I have not watched it start to finish until now, so... Yes, same. It was, I saw it in the theater. The last time I saw it was, yeah, sometime in January, where it was kind of like my my last time watching it. And yeah, that was the last time I had watched it before getting ready for this episode from from beginning to end. And it was a wild ride watching it in the theater, too. Like, yeah, I watched, I saw it like, five or six times like that opening weekend or something and then i was going again like every couple weeks because it's it's just it's such a mystery of a movie (laughs) see i saw it a few i think i saw it three times on purpose and then i kept getting dragged along to see it with other people who thought i would want to come with them to see it so i saw it a few times against my will which was not that I did not want to go see a Star Wars movie, but it was a weird situation to be in to not to not be planning to go see it and go see it a couple more times when I felt like maybe I needed a break. 
when I watched it again from beginning to end uh, this week, it really took me back to December of last year of all the hype leading up to it, all that that talk, yeah, about like the the epic conclusion of the saga, and we were all riding a high from Mandalorian season one. Like that show was just blowing our minds every week. Now we're just like, oh yeah, the Mandalorian is another new episode, and there's twenty million other Star Wars TV shows coming out now. But at the time, it was like, oh my god, like this. What a time to be alive. And the epic conclusion of the saga is coming out in movie theaters. Like, the whole world is unstoppable. <laughs> yeah. It's, and it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's just interesting going back and thinking about, you know, all the trailers and everything leading up to it. And we were all just so excited for that movie. And <laughs> I don't know. It, it, was, it had a lot to live up to. Well, it potentially had the most to live up to of any of the Star Wars films that have ever been made, other than maybe Empire Strikes Back being the first sequel. And if it failed, you know, Star Wars would disappear because even George Lucas was like, didn't want to mess with the ending of Return of the Jedi and went back to the beginning. You know, he didn't have to top Return of the Jedi again because episode one, two, and three were already going to go back into episode four. So he kind of smartly was able to dodge that bullet. And then when they announced the sequel trilogy, you know, regardless of what they were going to do with the first couple movies, as soon as they decided to have a conclusion and a new ending, it kind of became the movie that had to be a, a more satisfying ending than Return of the Jedi, which is not anything I would want to sign up to try to make. Yeah, there was a lot of pressure internally, externally to make this movie something that would make everyone happy, which is not, which is another place that I don't know that I would want to be in that situation. Yeah, and there's one thing we've learned. I mean, that's pretty much next to impossible. generations live in you now but this is your fight on december 20th the saga will end hold on let the final battle begin star wars the rise of skywalker get tickets now So what we're doing here with this episode and the other episode that came out at the same time as this, episode 249, it's a dyad. It's the only way we can talk about The Rise of Skywalker. It's the definition of dyad, aside from with Palpatine using it. Because even when Palpatine used it in the movie, I was like, what? Is that a Star Wars word? But no, it's it's real. It's in it. The, the definition is something that consists of two elements or parts. It's the Greek word for duo. And that's kind of now a year later, I think, how we feel about 
the rise of Skywalker. There's, there's the light side. There's, cause there's a lot to enjoy in it. And there's a dark side. And, you know, this episode 248 here that you're listening to, this is the light side episode where I want to tap back into how I felt opening night. Cause if you go back and listen to our rise of Skywalker episode, we did like the weekend, the movie came out. I was still kind of in the high. I was still kind of in the more light side. And the more I went to go see it after it came out, my feelings kind of changed a little bit, but that's in the other episode. This one, I want to talk about what still is good in this movie, because there is a lot. It's a spastic, crazy movie with a thousand million things crammed into two hours and 22 minutes, and they're just throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks, and some of it's good. Yeah, if you break the movie down into sections or segments or scenes... There is some wonderful parts, some excellent parts, some possibly some of the best parts of all the films. And we're going to focus on those parts. So we, yeah, we've, got, we've got some big lists of the good, what we enjoy in the movie. Let's start by saving what we love, you know? <laughs> well, I would say right from the beginning – the crawl from this movie is one of my favorites. Was it the dead speak, the phantom emperor? There is some hot stuff in this crawl. I was into all of it. I was into the crawl. Yeah. I was into the dead speak exclamation point. I was just like, here we go. Still, um, dig it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Bring back the crawl on t-shirt t-shirts. And I would probably buy a rise of Skywalker one. Really, I mean, I think the crawl sets the tone of this whole beginning intro is just, I was sucked in and on board with Kylo's ship, slow-mo weird Mustafar fighting that we didn't know was Mustafar until later, things on fire. Yeah. Him arriving on Exegol, I remember the sound in the theater was just outrageous. And I was like, this is great. And yeah, when he passes by what the the tank of uh of Snokes, of pickled Snokes. Well, and there's full on Star Wars mummies hanging out. It's like, oh, you thought Dengar was cool. Well, here's a a for real mummy. <laughs> well, really just the whole like vibe of this, of the very just blatant, ridiculous horror with strobe lights and electrodes and Little tiny Kylo in a giant temple where you just see his lightsaber walking through, you know, hallways. Like, it was just all atmosphere at this point. Well, I I like Palpatine's, like, lightning flash faces with, like, his milky eyes. And he just looks just like a demon and stuff. I was just like, this is great. And it's still great. It's still a lot of fun. It's ridiculous. It's insane. And I was still, was and is shocked that they decided to start the movie that way with no, you know, Palpatine's back. Here he is right in the first two minutes of the movie. Well, and then right after that, we, we, we cut like what to the Falcon and there's like a one, two punch of Claude and Bulio. <laughs> well, we get a little breather of, of Chewie playing chess, which as a, as a Chewie fan, I, I will take any opportunity to see the thinking Chewbacca sitting and playing his 
his strategy games. But yeah, the one-two punch of, of Claude, who I still don't understand how he does anything on that ship, but it doesn't matter because he's got heart and he just wants to help. Uh, hi, everybody. Memory Claude. Uh, Claude is still just a beauty, and there's just not enough Claude nowadays. Claude was he was he was a phenomenon for a little bit, and I miss Claude. I'm not afraid to admit that that I really miss Claude. I miss Claude being part of my life more. There are now 75 live action television shows coming, and maybe there's a spot in one of those for a return of Claude. I think I think chances are are good. The Rangers of the New Republic was Claude part of the New Republic before he could be a ranger. Hey everybody, look at me! I got a badge. Yeah. Maybe it's all about Claude. Maybe Claude is the star of Rangers of the New Republic. We don't know. We don't know anything. That's why Kathy Kennedy didn't announce a star of Rangers of the New Republic because it's Claude. He's the he's like the galaxy sheriff. The Rangers all report to Supreme Commander Claude. He's got he's got a little little cowboy hats on every one of his little antenna. He's got like a vest with a badge on it. He would look good in a vest. So somebody would have to tie it around him because he doesn't have arms. Which I always love him trying to repair something on the Falcon, and he has no arms. Yeah, but he has good intentions. <laughs> that's all. It, that's all that matters. Believe in miracles. Claude with a K, uh, K-L-A-D. Uh. Lightspeed skipping may be controversial, but when I think of it as big screen star tours, I'm really into it. Okay. It's the closest thing we'll see to star, star tours on the, on the big screen for maybe ever at this point. I can respect that. I can hear that. I can hear that. And just because something's in the light side episode doesn't mean it can't also be in the dark side episode. What what what, what are we going to say in that one? Who knows? Uh, <laughs> one I you know I like after the light speed skipping. I do really like Ray meditating. I like that introduction of Ray because that was the whole thing of like after the Last Jedi. It's like, well, when we see Rey in the next one, what's that going to be like? Like, how far is, you know, with her Jedi training and the the sacred Jedi texts and all that stuff. And I like that introduction of her. I I like the white outfit. I do. I like the the costume. And I like, her, I like that shot of her meditating with all the rocks. And I like the whole training montage here in the woods. Yeah, I like that it finishes up with her just not using her lightsaber and going back to the, just smashing it with a stick. Just that whole idea of her, the, the scavenger is still there and she, you know, she doesn't need her lightsaber. She can use her guts and a stick and that's all she needs. And Leia in this movie, it could have been horrible. It could have really been embarrassing the shots that this this Leia that we're in, which we still weirdly haven't gotten like a real, I mean, there was that little like ILM kind of behind the scenes kind of VFX reel that came out after the movie came out. But I would still love like an in-depth documentary on how they really did this Leia footage because it it looks good in my opinion. 
Well, yeah. I mean, at this point, I would love to just see those original scenes that were filmed for Force Awakens in, in their original context, just to see where they where they got this stuff from. Maybe someday. Well, yeah, and I like Kylo communicating with her, interrupting her Force training and all that. This, Yeah, this whole opening of the film, in my opinion, is a lot of fun. Yeah, this movie starts strong, and there's a lot of good stuff right up front here. I like the monkey making a helmet. I think that's a wonderful touch, that it's like a blacksmith monkey. With a, with a sci-fi visor goggle. Yeah, if the best parts of this movie are when J.J. Abrams just went nuts with the weird and wild stuff. And there are so many of those moments in this movie and yeah, the monkey fixing his helmet is is right up there near the near the top of the list. I like Richard E. Grant's character. I like Richard E. Grant as an old stuffy ex-imperial first order guy. I kind of wish his character was in all the movies, kind of. I don't know how he would have fit in, but I like him. I like his character. I like how evil he is. Yes. Supreme leader and everything. Yeah. Well, it's neat to have the care, a type of character who was there from the old days and has kind of that history of he was with the empire before and now he's still here with the first order. The idea of the, of the different viewpoints potentially of the, of the new younger evil people versus the older evil people. <laughs> like there was a lot of potential there. Well, I love the Akiaki Festival. I love the colors in it. I love that, yeah, they're doing the electric slide. I love the little Akiaki babies. I love uh, Nambi Pima talking to Ray. Like, it's all just go. I love there's a puppet show. Yeah, well, it's, it's the real superstar of this movie is Neil Scanlon and his creature team. And the Akiaki Festival is just a festival of creatures and the sheer ridiculousness of puppets watching a puppet show is just, I live for that. So this will always go down in history as a classic star Wars moment of just creatures and puppets everywhere. A giant tank tread wheel thing, weird droids that look like elephants there's a fan in Japan that on Twitter, he or she, I don't know, dresses up as an Akiaki and just goes around Tokyo, like dancing and trying to get people to dance with them. And they post, they posted one like during like the pandemic, like people wearing masks and you got this person in an Akiaki costume, like going down the street in Tokyo. And it just fills my heart so much watching this. And it's, man, it makes me just want to watch just the, the Akiaki footage over and over again. And that song was not on the soundtrack and it kind of bums me out. You're right. And they didn't release a single like they did with Jabba flow. It's like a duel of the fates was on TRL like for 10 weeks or something. If there was like total request live, the Akiaki festival song would still be on there. It is a jam. Well, we can't forget the Akiaki Festival and Pisana also introducing us to the return of Landel Calrissian 
and another ridiculous Lando Calrissian disguise, and he gets to shoot someone in an eye with a crossbow. Surprise, surprise, it's Lando in disguise. Never gets old. And uh, it's, you know, it's just always great seeing Billy D, whether it's just on a talk show or at a celebration or on a screen as Lando. It's just like, oh, it's just, you know, it's Billy D. Can't go wrong. And Billy D was looking good. He's like 80 years old in this movie and he looks good. He sounds like Lando. And he has the best sidekick with his, uh, the, the tank track driver puppet. Okay. Okay. If it L337, Nine Numb, Lobot is one thing we know about Lando Calrissian, he's always got the best sidekick that almost steals the whole movie. And yeah, for that. Two, three seconds, the little the little Muppet driving the bus. Okay. Yeah, where is the Disney Plus show? And it's just about all of Lando's sidekicks hanging out. The ultimate dream team. I was waiting for Kathy Kennedy to announce, okay, <laughs> the story of Lando's bus driver. He's just like a taxi driver, and he talks to people in his taxi as, as he drives around Coruscant. It was a she. Oh, you're right. It's a lady. Yes. Yeah. She talks to... Her, her cab fares as they ride around the city. Surprise, surprise, I'm Lando in disguise. Need a goodbye. Okay. Yeah. Hello, what have we here? Well, uh, the next thing on my list is Ochi's Sith car. That not only is he a Jedi hunter, but he is so hardcore into the Sith that he has a Sith car with a Sith hood ornament, and it probably had Sith hubcaps and Sith seat covers, and the shifter knob was probably the Sith logo. I swear, in like the height of Phantom Menace, there was like a Darth Maul like seat cover and like the floor mats, and probably like a steering wheel you could get. I seem to remember like a Darth Maul floor mat, and me thinking. I wonder if I could do that. I'm not even that crazy about Darth Maul. If there was a Qui-Gon floor mat, I would do that in a second. But Well, that's like, did I ever tell you the one time I, I had to go to the, like, um, convenient care? Because, like, I couldn't hear out of one of my ears and my ear was dirty. And the nurse that, like, cleaned out my ear, I think I had a Star Wars Celebration shirt on. And it was before Celebration in Chicago. And he was like, oh, you going to go to Celebration? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, oh, I'm going to go. It's my first time. And then he's like, I have a Darth Vader car. <laughs> It's in the parking lot. You should check it out. And literally, he had a car with like Darth Vader's face painted on the sides. So, was it was it Doctor Ochi of Bastoon? Was that your? I think I think that yeah, that may have been his name. So yeah, it's you know, yeah. Why not have a Sith car? It probably had Palpatine airbrushed on the side too, but we couldn't see it under all the dust in the in the cave. Well, you know, and I like the serpent. I think it's cool looking, and I like Ray. Healing the serpent. And I remember it was so cool because what that episode of Mandalorian was like, what, days before the movie came out or something? Remember, it was like a special, like we got two episodes of Mandalorian in one week, like one came out on a Wednesday, just so we could make sure we saw Grogu healing grief right before Rise of Skywalker came out. And it's a cool moment. And I, I like the snake. I, I think it's neat. It's a creature. It's a creature feature. And yeah, the snake was great. And the fact that they made a giant snake puppet just to have something on set was 
was incredible. And yeah, I hope the snake comes back someday. It's a movie that moves really fast. There's a lot going on in The Rise of Skywalker. And it's a calm moment in the movie. It's a moment where the movie slows down a little bit. And especially watching it again this week, getting ready, I was like, oh, this scene is really nice. Because it it lets the movie breathe for just a little bit, which is nice. I think we talked about that in our um, soggy year for The Last Jedi. The importance of breather moments in Star Wars. Yeah, sometimes you just got to take a breath <laughs> so, you don't, so, so you don't pass out or suffocate. Well, the next part of basically the scene from the teaser trailer is just a great little sequence. And it's always one of those things when you see it in the trailer, you wonder either is it even going to be in the movie? And if you see it again in the movie, are you going to be like, oh, I already saw this and, and kind of get taken out of the moment? But that part... It's still got it, even even watching it again in the movie. I often think of that teaser trailer, again, at Celebration Chicago, and that was just amazing. And, yeah, it's it's a great moment in the movie with, yeah, the, the, the backflip. It's wonderful. It's great. Can't deny it. Everybody agrees. Little kids, babies, your grandparents, everybody, everybody agrees that they love the backflip. A lot of babies did their first backflip after seeing that scene. (laughs) So moving on to Kajimi, I think if you have listened to the show, you know I'm a sucker for robots wearing clothes. So C-3PO in a winter coat is a high point for me. And I will never complain about there being an excuse to put clothes on a robot. Something I've always wondered with Return of the Jedi. You got a bunch of people in camouflage and then a shiny reflective gold droid going through the the forest. Han could have gave him his coat, but, you know, he was cold, I guess. I love the whole droid repair room. Babu Frick is still a lot of fun. I like Babu Frick. I got no problems with Babu. No, Babu's great and Babu has the, you know, that Mandalorian charm of letting a puppet be a puppet and using digital effects to clean up the puppet, but still be a puppet and move like a puppet. And he's so tiny and he's so silly. Is Babu Frick played out? I don't know. I don't think so. I think he's still got the goods. He's, he's still sweet Babu. <laughs> the sweetest Babu. That's my favorite Sade song. <laughs> the sweetest Babu. This... <laughs> Is Babu Frick. That is remarkable. Babu Frick is one of my truly favorite characters out of the whole movie, and I'm not sure I can go further. We know that he is a droid builder, and that is all we know about him right now. Hello, I'm Babu Frick. I like Kylo's white room. Yes. His, yeah. Seeing Kylo's bedroom was great. And the fact that, you know, is it supposed to be like deep down inside? Is the light side? Because his, his secret place is all white inside, hiding inside the darkness. He, he could have had an all black room. <laughs> with, yeah. Well, you'd think he would, but he didn't. With black metal posters on the wall. Yeah. It could have looked like a hot topic. 
in Kylo's room. Like really loud music. Like why is the music so loud in here? It's too loud. I'm just trying to look if they got any Grogu t-shirts. It's really loud. But it was all white and it was really clean. It's like he's, he's keeping it clean. He really is. Deep down inside, he's he wants to write his his do his calligraphy, write poetry. He's writing poems. <laughs> I don't like dust. Cleaning every day is a must because I hate dust. <laughs> in calligraphy with a big quill dipping it in ink. Oh. Uh, with Star Wars Visions. I want one whole Star Wars Visions of just Kylo Ren, Ben Solo, doesn't matter either which way, just writing his poetry and then animated poems coming to life. Like the, wasn't that like the Jim Henson storyteller show? It's like Kylo's reading his poems and then we watch the the story of his poems. My dad, he makes me mad. Kind of sad. Well, his dad reminds me. There, I can't remember if it's before the bedroom or right after. There's the scene in the hallway with Kylo talking to some of the other First Order people, and he doesn't say anything. He just does the full-on Harrison Ford point. Well, you know, if you listen to our classic episode from earlier this year, let's put the X and Hux. I like hero Hux in The Rise of Skywalker. I Hux maybe underused in the film compared to the brilliance of Hux in previous films. But what we do get of Hux in this movie, especially I'm the spy and all that classic Hux, even a little bit of Hux is good Hux. No, we only got a little Hux, but at least we got some Hux and there's, there was no wasted Hux in this movie. It was all top shelf Hux. Well, while we're still on the uh, Star Destroyer 2, I have to say I was happy to finally, well, I guess it's technically our second nude Chewy scene, but it's the first time that he gets to have an action scene while completely naked. It's so disturbing. Yeah, right? It's like, it was kind of made, it wasn't so bad when he was in the shower. It's like, yeah, he's in the shower. That's, you know, of course he's naked. But yeah, fully nude Chewy running through hallways shooting stormtroopers was was a little little risque maybe, but I'm, I'm glad we got to see it. Well, he was nude and solo when they got him out of the present thing, but he was covered in mud. So it wasn't quite so risque, so controversial, but yeah. Well, and he was kind of just running in the dark. Like this was brightly lit hallways, like full frontal chewy running around. <laughs> Buck naked chewy. It's a wild, wild thing. Sometimes at, like conventions, you'll see somebody just dressed as Chewy, but they don't have the bandolier strap, and it's just naked Chewy, and it's like, ah, I just want to look away, like, oh, I shouldn't be seeing this. Just give him a towel. Put the towel on. <laughs> There's children here. I like the interior of the Death Star when they get there, and uh, and Ray goes in, especially the yeah the throne room for Return of the Jedi. It's cool. It's eerie. It's like a haunted house. It's kind of spooky. I'm into that. And they did a good job of making even a small piece of it still feel massive of just how huge this thing was that just a piece of it, you know, that landed on a planet is just so ginormous. The scene with Ray and Kylo Ren talking in the throne room. I really like that. It's Kylo without the mask actually like really talking Well, this is like the first time we've seen them 
face to face, no mask since the end of last Jedi. And they really play up this moment of them finally meeting again in person. Well, in the saber fight that follows their, their conversation in the throne room, that could be one of my favorite parts of the entire movie. I really like it. I like all the jumping and everything. And I like the waves. I, li- I like the way it mirrors revenge of the Sith. I like the whole idea of like a lightsaber fight with like water splashing on them. And I like the, how emotional it is for both of them. You can see it in, in, in Ray and, and Kyla's faces. It's yeah. I like it. No, I think, you know, they're, chat in the throne room through the duel i mean this this is in the the top duels of all of the movies like it's it's different than the others while still having the feeling of others like you said with a friend of the sith or empire strikes back and we get to see cool stuff with you know kylo blocking a lightsaber with just his the force coming out of his hand they're like both getting tired because they're they're so evenly matched like yeah it's a great duel and there's a lot of emotion in it and they in and the fact that it's they're not even talking you know there's no like one-liners or or quips between them it's like just emotion and fighting and waves well and and i love the ending too with her healing his wound and the the expression on kylo's face and Ray's, I did want to take your hand, Ben's hand. I still like that. I, 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 the, this whole sequence in the movie is, yeah, really nice. Yeah. Well, and right into the Harrison Ford return, the Kylo Han Solo scene is just like the, the icing on the cake that the duel was building. It's, one of the best sequences in all the movies. Like it's just raw emotion of two really cool characters who are being played by excellent actors. It's like as serious as star Wars ever gets. When I, I remember the rumors uh, before the rise of Skywalker came out that there was going to be ghost Han Solo. Like you kept hearing that this was something that's going to happen. And I was like, that's just stupid. I didn't like I was that that's ridiculous and that's you know the dirty words fan service but it's just like that's not needed and he's dead and he's his presence is still felt like still talked about all through the last Jedi and that's more powerful and that's you know talking like we know but it worked it was great because like you said they're two great actors and it's just two great actors talking to each other and the way it mirrors the Force Awakens, and it's, you know, it's the redemption of Ben Solo, and it's, it's wonderful. And Adam Driver is an amazing actor. He's like one of the best actors working today. The camera's just on his face, and he's just killing it. Yep, and Harrison Ford still got it when he wants it, and he, he whipped it out that day, and... uh yeah, because if that's one of those kind of scenes where if someone described it to you, you're like, that kind of sounds dumb. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And then you watch it and you're like, you get choked up and you're like, wait, I wasn't expecting this. But yeah, just that whole, like you said, that sequence from the Death Star, the throne room through this is like, that's some of the best of them all, of all the movies, like right there. Come on. 
late. She's gone. Your mother's gone. But what she stood for, what she fought for, that's not gone. It was nice getting back to the Achu Island. It's good seeing the Porgs again. I do like the the come up with a plan scene that Claude is in there and Nine Numb talks for a little bit. And I like the whole montage of uh, pilots gearing up and like Poe, like Leia never gave up. And that's what our mothers and our fathers fought for. And we will not, you know, will not die. But, and I don't know, I'm just a sucker for scenes like that and people jumping into A-wings and X-wings and stuff. I was just like, all right, yeah, cool. Okay. Yeah, when they're getting ready to go to battle like that, the movie is pumping you up at that point. So yeah, Ray gets to Exegol and Palpatine, he's full on on some kind of giant mechanical arm with a bunch of wires coming out of him. It's ridiculous. It's totally ridiculous. And again, yeah, in the theater, I just remember the sound work was insane. And when Palpatine dropped throws the lightning into the sky and the bass drop. I swear to God, every time in the theater, I thought they blew out the speakers. And I really appreciate that in a movie. Do not fear the feeble attack, my faithful. Nothing will stop the return of the Sith. No, the sound on Exegol was amazing. The Sith Stadium is ridiculous in all the best ways. And, yeah, whoever decided when they brought Palpatine back to put him on a giant mechanical arm, give anyone who thought about that a raise because it's Star Wars madness. And, yeah, I if you would have told me that Palpatine's coming back, but he's attached to a giant robot arm, I would have thought you were crazy, but you would have been right. And he's just shouting the whole time, the Jedi are dead. It's, <laughs> it's whatever. It's great. Uh, it's ridiculous. It's totally insane. One of my favorite parts of this part of the movie is, and this is, I think, was J.J. Abrams' idea, right? The good Kylo music, where instead of him getting like a new theme, they just made his evil minor key theme a happy major key theme. And it's just a really simple thing, but... It, it does such a good job of letting you know that there was a change in him. And just when that music kicks in and, and you know it's Ben Solo again, it's just, I don't know, it's wonderful. I love Ben Solo's good boy sweater. I love the kind of subtle way that Adam Driver just kind of looks happier. Maybe Maybe it's the music, but when he's back as Ben Solo, it's like, it's great. I w- would watch a whole movie of good boy sweater Ben Solo's adventures, just running around, having fun, saving people. And I, okay, the be with me, Ray calling out to every Jedi from everything ever. Maybe it's just because I like hearing Qui-Gon's voice and Hayden Christensen's voice and Ewan McGregor, Obi-Wan and Ayla Sakura and all the wild stuff that's also in there. And Ashley Eckstein as as, as Ahsoka. I don't know. I know it's controversial. I know there's a lot of people that don't, but uh, I don't. I I still enjoy it, and I still like when she gets back up off the floor and like I am all I am all the Jedi and stuff, and I am all the Sith and stuff, and it's like okay. Well, I definitely I really like 
the part just before that, because it's another one of those, let's just let the movie breathe, where she's on the ground and she looks up at the sky and sees, you know, all the battle going on. And then she looks beyond the battle and she's just looking into the vastness of space. And the movie just kind of takes a breath. That's good stuff. I like the Ray and Ben kiss. I still do. It happened. It's good. It's still fascinating to me that any of that is controversial because it's one of those things where it's like, I think that's where the story was going. I saw it coming. Like it wasn't like out of left field. It's like, it makes sense. I saw the last one that was called (laughs) episode eight and they were kind of setting that up. Yeah. So yeah, I'm glad that that really happened because it would have been weirder if it didn't happen. Sure. Yeah, most definitely. And yeah, it's another when this when the move this movie slows down to for these emotional beats, it really it's got the goods. And that's another one of those moments where you're like, this, this is some good Star Wars. Emotional moments with characters. When speaking of emotional moments with characters, Wicket and his son, hey. <laughs> Sometimes I forget that Wicket and his son were in this movie. And I feel like every time, like when I would watch it, like on Disney Plus and stuff, I'd watch like the ending. And it's like, oh, yeah, there were Ewoks in this movie. Yeah. I guess thank you, J.J. Abrams, for that. <laughs> well, I forgot one too. We kind of jumped past it too, is I do really like that if Palpatine's back, that the only way to kill him is for him to kill himself. And that, you know, the whole, the, his, the only, his only weakness is himself. And that turning his power against him is the, is the, the, the true way to, to vanquish him as opposed to, uh, you know, if you, if you kill him, he'll just come back eventually. So I was, I was into that. As a, as a means to finally get rid of Palpatine. Well, I can appreciate, too, the way he went out was a full-on Indiana Jones villain of your face melting off. I'm surprised there wasn't just like a screaming skull with eyeballs at the end. Ah! Well, his, his death in Return of the Jedi was kind of subtle, I guess. So let's <laughs> do it for real this time. There's, you know, there's the Tatooine ending and... Uh, at least in the Tatooine ending, I like the thought that Ray has uh, constructed her own lightsaber and she's charting her own path for whatever the Jedi look like post Episode Nine. She's not following the strict rules, and her lightsaber almost is like a representation of that—that that she's charting her own way. And I can still groove on that. Yeah, her lightsaber is really neat and yeah the fact just visually it it kind of represents a change is nice in that it's very much a reflection of her personality was a nice touch and it wasn't just like luke's lightsaber but gold or or something you know or like luke just copied obi-wan's lightsaber so at least (laughs) ray tried to do something that was all her own yeah looking back like we said it's worth taking another look. If you love this movie, if this is your favorite Star Wars movie, that's okay. That's great. If this is not your favorite one, that's okay too. But there is, there's good in him. <laughs> tell, tell your sister you were right. There's no such thing as 
anyone being truly bad or truly evil. And uh, there is a lot to like in this movie. points too accurate for sand people only imperial stormtroopers are so precise deal with uh, Apple Podcast reviews. If you listen on something Apple, when you're done listening to this, if you go over there and if you write something nice about the show, about this episode, past episode, maybe the Ewok storybook audio drama episode, I know that's your favorite one. Write about it and we'll read your review on an upcoming show. I know we've got a lot to read and once we come back in the new year, we'll get on that. And check out our website, blastpointspodcast.com. And make sure you're following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you're on Facebook, make sure you're in the Super Chill group. If you want to support the show in a different way, we've got the Blast Points Army over there on Patreon. We're just last weekend, we wrapped up our Mandalorian Season 2 review episodes with the episode with... The Rescue. Maybe you watched it. Maybe you heard people talking about it. (laughs) It's a thing. And we got to give a big shout out here to the new members of the Blast Points Army this month. So big shout out to Mick, Jonathan, Aldersey, Vinny, Patrick, Daniel, Taylor, Caleb, Dirge, Diggler, Dash, Entropy, Nick, Kyle, Brandon, Mystic Panda 64, John Cash, Jeff, Kevin, Andrew, Froppy, Elizabeth, and Jesse. Thank you all so much for signing up for the Blast Points Army. Yeah, thank you so much. And we have, if you listen to this episode and it didn't make you happy, maybe it made you mad, there is another episode for the dark side of the dyad if you want to check that out and if you want to stay happy you can skip that one it's up to you the choice is yours alone (laughs) well and we're going to be back on january 19th that's going to be the next episode we're taking a few weeks off 
Keep your eyes out. There might be something special, a little something different uh, coming out uh, before then, though. Yeah, there might be some surprises before we crawl into a block of ice and sleep for a thousand years (laughs) before we wake up again in 2021. But seriously, thank you, everyone, for a really great year. I think we did uh, 55,000 episodes this year, like when we were doing all the bonus episodes there for a while. But yeah, uh, if if you're new to the show, thank you. If you've been a longtime listener, thank you. If you're listening right now, thank you. Uh, we appreciate each and every one of you so much. We wouldn't be we wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for all you folks listening. And you're all amazing. Yes, thank you, everybody, and we will see you next year. Don't forget, Indie Year, Indiana Jones Year, coming in 2021. It's going to be amazing. But yeah, thank you, everyone. May the force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you.